Well, I'm Pastor Bob. If you're new today, welcome. Pastor Mike is under the weather, and so he called me yesterday and asked me if I would preach today, and so uh, here I am, ready to go. And you'll note that the text and title is different in your bulletin than it is on the screen for obvious reasons. And so the bulletin still has great announcements, great uh, information for you, but you can ignore the text and title on the front. And then the notes are also wrong, but you can just kind of scribble out that and put in my text and title, and, uh, and we'll be good to go for today, all right? And so we're going to talk about the three ways to become more like Christ in 2022, and it's based on 2 Timothy 3, 10 to 17, page 996 in the Bible in front of you. So let's pray together. Father, we come before you today and we are grateful for all that you do in our lives, all the ways you care for us and show us your grace, Lord. And Lord, it feels like the world is just reeling right now because of COVID. Lord, we pray that you would give us the ability to be graceful and caring and loving to the people around us, Lord. We have the answer. We have the hope in Christ Jesus, Lord. And we know that. I pray that we would be bold to share who you are as people are scared and they don't know how to respond to COVID, Lord, and there's controversy about everything going on, Lord. We pray that you give us the ability to simply go back to who you are, who you are, Christ, and just say, remember the gospel. Remember how you love us, died for us, and how that makes all the difference, Lord. And Lord, now as we embark upon this sermon, Lord, I pray that you would speak through me, that your words would be heard and not mine, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would come and speak to us now and uh, illuminate our hearts and our minds. In your holy, precious name, amen. All right, so it is a new year, 2022. And uh, if you're anything like me, you're excited and you're going, okay, how can 2022 be better than 2021? Uh, What can I do differently? 2021, as um, Luke had already mentioned in prayer, was maybe not the best year for some people, and we get that. It was a rough year. And so we're always looking for opportunities and ways to look to the new year. And even just two days ago, you know, my wife and I, we celebrated. We put in some snacks. Our oldest son, Robbie, stayed up, and we ate a few snacks. And then we were all in bed by 10 p.m. That's how we celebrated the new year. And, uh, And there's a reality that, you know, we all celebrate differently. You may have some goals for 2022. You may have some resolutions, uh, some things you'd really like to see happen. Or, you know what, you may even be thinking, I just need to get through for another year. And uh, and I'm not sure how to do that. And so to that end, I wanted to talk through what it looks like if one of our goals is to grow closer to God in 2022, become more godly or more Christ-like. And again, this is out of 2 Timothy 3, 10 to 17. And so let me read the scriptures to you now. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconum, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from, you, from whom you learned it and 
how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through the faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for the training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. 2 Timothy 3, 10 to 17. So I want to begin with a little bit of context. So we've got Paul. He's the writer of 2 Timothy uh, through the Holy Spirit. And he uh, is writing this letter to Timothy, which is a person that he has mentored uh, and discipled over the years for a very long period of time. Uh, He found Timothy early in his ministry and had Timothy actually come on multiple missionary journeys uh, with Paul and share in his life and and, and all that he has done and learned. And so at this point, Timothy is an influential leader in Ephesus, and Paul is quite old. And this is one of his last uh, known writings that he he gives to the church. And so uh, as as we look at this context, there's also a reality that um, there's a phrase, you, however, at the beginning of verse 10, And so we actually need to look back at the earlier part of Timothy 3 to get an idea, well, what exactly is Paul doing? And just to give you a heads up, he's actually contrasting the wicked worldly people to a different path, the path that he's laid down for Timothy here in verses 10 to 17. So verses 1 to 5 give us that context. In the last days, there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, uh, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but, uh, but denying its power. Avoid such people. 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 5. So we see here that Paul is talking about all these different uh, attributes of, of worldly, wicked people and then contrasting it to the different path in verses 10 to 17. And of course, if you think about it for a minute, you can probably think of people who meet some of these categories who are unholy, heartless, uh, swollen with conceit, and so on. Um, I don't want to get into the conversation of, hey, are we in the end times? Because in Matthew 24, the Lord says uh, to be ready because the end times can be any day. And so it's a fun conversation, uh, but not necessarily pertinent to our conversation of what does it look like in 2022? Whether or not it's the end times, we need to draw closer to God. We need to um, strive to be more godly. And so uh, also, if you kind of like look internally, you probably can see in, in this list of sins and types of people, you could probably see yourself uh, somewhere along the way, uh, whether that's uh, at a certain season of your life. I know I certainly can, because there's a reality that we're all broken, uh, sinful human beings, and we're all saved by the grace of God and the blood of Christ. And so keep that in mind as we look at this and as we contrast this. It's not us versus them. It's a reality that God is calling us out of that life into a better life. And so now if we dive into specifically this uh, next section of 2 Timothy 3.10, we'll break it down. So let me read it to you one more time. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecution and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconum, at Lystra, 
which persecutions I endured, yet from all them all the Lord rescued me. What is Paul saying here? He's saying, look at my conduct, Paul. Look at my faith. Look at what I have taught. And so well, what, what did Paul teach? 1 Corinthians 2, 2 says, this is Paul writing to the Corinthian church, for I've decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So from the minute of Paul's conversion, he has a dramatic transformation and he becomes a missionary and gives the gospel to uh, the non-Jews throughout the known Roman world. And he does that, uh, that becomes his whole life. And all he's doing is lifting up Christ. So when he says, follow my teaching, follow my conduct, follow my aim in life, what he's really saying is, I've lifted up Christ. Do what I've done. Watch my example. Uh, and I think what is so neat about this is we see uh, the reality that God works through people in our life. So the first way we become more like Christ in 2022 is to seek out opportunities to learn from godly people about the faith. And so what does that look like? How do we do that? We see this in Paul and Timothy. We see that uh, you know, Paul is sharing the faith and Timothy has learned from Paul how to be more godly. So this is gonna look like a variety of things in our life. It can look like uh, getting involved in a Bible study. It could be a, a close group of, of, of friends who know the Lord that you interact with regularly. It could, be, um, it could be a community group here at the church. It can be an accountability group. And it certainly can be this one-on-one -on -one discipleship or mentoring relationship that we see Paul and Timothy have. And so I want to key in on that because I think, you know, we're really encouraged to get involved in Obviously, that's important, but this idea of the one-on-one -on -one relationship is something that I know for a lot of Christians, they just don't have. They don't seek it out. They don't even know that they should seek it out. You know, myself uh, included, I have had one of these relationships over the years, and it's uh, right now, you know, we talk sparingly, but at one season of life, you know, this man really invested in me and it made all the difference in a variety of ways in my life. And so uh, I'm here. You can see me in the middle. I've got the long gray shirt and... Uh, I have wet, muddy shirt on, and this is actually in the middle of a cave in Ohio, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and this is when I was in college. And uh, this is a group of team we were training to lead kids into the cave and do other wilderness trips. And, uh, and, and in this context, I worked at a camp called Summer's Best Two Weeks for three years. And at this camp, uh, I was mentored by, by a guy by the name of Scott. He's actually the one on my back right with the black and gray uh, shirt on it, kind of behind me in, in the picture. And uh, I learned so much from this man. Uh, not only did I have a lot of fun in the wilderness and doing all of that stuff, which of course was a ton of fun. I could tell lots of stories about that. But I learned from him uh, the importance of, of certain things. And, and there's a long list, but one of the big ones is being a servant to the people around me and to God, being patient. Uh, he pushed me to get into the Bible because I'd become laxed and studying the scripture at that point in my life, and he really pushed me to do that. You know, one quick story, I remember we were driving, we would drive 50 to 70 um, middle school and high school kids on a bus to Ohio Pile. It's about a two hour drive from where the camp is, and they would like soup up the bus because it'd be older buses, and they'd actually go up a giant mountain and then down a huge hill, and so they actually would put like shock brakes on and whatnot and make the bus like 10 times better than it was when it was actually being used by a school. 
But in that, he'd be driving, and regularly he'd call me up and he'd say, Bob, can you sit behind me? I'm like, oh, okay, sure, I'll sit behind you. And he's like, can you read me scripture? Can you help me memorize scripture while I drive? And to this day, that, that kind of sits and reminds me that both the value of memorizing scripture, but also just as an example of redeeming the time, of maximizing his time, where all he's doing is driving. And of course, this is before the world of, we had cell phones, but they weren't like today, where you can just put it on replay to play a, a verse over and over again in your ears. You know, it was a little harder back then. But nonetheless, just the fact that he wanted to do that, you know, it really impacted me and it reminded me, this is, this is what it means to grow and to take my faith seriously. And I learned that in that mentoring one-on-one discipleship. And so my question for you, my application for this, this first um, you know, way is, in what way are you learning from, from godly people? What does that look like in your life? Are you involved in a small group, an accountability group? Are you connecting one-on-one with somebody? Because if you're not, we have a lot of opportunities here at Community Church. You know, we've got men's studies on, Mon- on Sunday, sorry, on Tuesday morning and Tuesday night. We've got Sunday morning co-ed uh, community groups that are for men and women. We've got, and they're on Wednesday night as well. We've got women's studies throughout the week. We've got galvanized uh, recovery group for men on Thursday night. And so we have a whole host of ways to connect. And of course, there's people in this church and you're going, hey, maybe I just need to connect them one-on-one with somebody. We would love to connect you and help you take that next step. Because there's a reality, according to 2 Timothy 3, that God will work through other godly people in your life and help you grow closer to him and become more godly. It's one of the ways that he works. So what does that look like? How do you do that in your life? So the second point is actually still in these same verses, and it's, 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 more, it's not as direct. It's kind of implied. And so I'm going to read it one more time, and then I'm going to pull it out. But you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings. We'll stop there. Paul's talking to Timothy. You know, this is before the world of cell phones, before the world of email. He can't even really write. I mean, he's writing this letter, but it's not like they're writing letters back and forth you know, over weeks and months and years. Paul is drawing on the experiences they had together when he pulled Timothy onto missionary journeys and says, you were there. You saw me teach that Jesus is crucified. You saw me get stoned at Iconum. You saw the sufferings. You saw my love. You saw my faith. You saw my patience when I wanted to say something because I was really angry and I held back. You saw all that. And in that, there's a reality that the second way we can become more like Christ at any point, but certainly in 2022, is to seek out opportunities to serve God and the people around you. It may be subtle in the text, but it's there. It's this reality that part of the way that Timothy could rise and become a real leader in the church of Ephesus is that he served with Paul. He went on the different missionary journeys And he saw what Paul saw, and he saw God work, and he saw the amazing things that God did through Paul and the other missionaries, and he he was right there amidst all of it. So are we seeking out opportunities to serve? 
What does that look like in your life? You know, we can serve within the church. We can serve outside of the church. There's multiple ways to serve. But are you serving? And are you learning from the people around you in that relationship uh, and in the act of service? Because we can both learn from doing whatever it is that we're serving, but we also learn from the people we interact with while we serve. And so uh, one of the realities is that we were made for good works, for service. And Ephesians 2.10 makes that clear. For, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Well, why? Why does God prepare good works before we're even believers so that we can do them? If he can prepare it, he can just get it accomplished, right? Of course he can. But he wants to work through us. He wants to work through his church for a variety of reasons, but one of them is that's how we grow. That's how we become more like him. That's how we grow in godliness. And so uh, an extreme example of this, you know, because missionaries are not the only way that we can serve, but in 2018, we had a group of uh, students go on a missions trip to Costa Rica. And uh, if you, I don't see any of them in this service, they typically come to the second service. They're now uh, young adults. But uh, if you were to sit down and talk with them, they would tell you about the realities of, hey, when I went over to Costa Rica, my, my faith was really stretched. It was stretched physically because I'm in a new place and serving in new ways, and that was really hard. But it was also stretched because I was interacting with believers I don't normally interact with within this community here at Community Church. And in both ways, uh, you know, it, it's changed some of their lives and certainly helped them become the, the Christians and the believers they are today. And so service does that for us. It's one of the reasons why God calls us to serve. You know, another reason is simply that through serving, we care for the people around us. It's the literal act of loving thy neighbor, right? But it's also impactful for us. It makes a huge difference in our lives. So where are you serving? In 2022, where are you serving? And is that service one that brings you passion and delight? Does it spur you on to become more like Christ as you interact with the people around you? you know, similarly, we have lots of opportunities to serve here in the church. We have tech teams, lights, uh, you know, worship, music, greeters, coffee bar, children's. Uh, we have different committees as well, men's committee, women's committee, you know, the deacons, deaconesses trustees who fix up the building. And so there are tons of ways to serve within the church, and I hope you take advantage of that. But you can also serve within the community. Maybe this looks like caring for your neighbor who can't get out right now because of COVID, or uh, helping shoveling snow as the snow maybe comes here eventually this winter, right? Uh, maybe it looks like working at the Haven of Rest and helping the poor or uh, volunteering at South Street Ministries, which is right down the road, and again, uh, is working with underprivileged people. There's a variety of ways. There's tons of ways that you can care for people and serve, for pe serve people outside of this specific community. Are you taking advantage of those things? What does that look like in your life? So then the third uh, way to become more like Christ in 2022, according to the scripture, is to be saturated with the word of God. And this is the last half of the, of the verse, so let me read those to you just to remind you. And from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. 
All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for the training in righteousness, that the men, man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. So there's a reality that we want to be in the word of God. This is probably uh, something that you're most familiar with. Of everything I've said this morning, you're probably going, yeah, that's right, I got it. You know, I am supposed to uh, be in God's word. That's really important. What's interesting is how much we actually struggle with this as American Protestants. And I know this graph is a little hard to see up on the screen, but I'll explain some of it to you. Um, this is as of two, July in 2019. Um, the Protestant church regularly read their Bible every single day, uh, 32% of Protestants in America. 27% uh, read every couple days in 2019, uh, which you, know, you put those two together, that's, that's not all that half bad until you look at the other half of the stats, which is um, fewer say uh, they only read it once a week, about 12%, uh, a few times a month, so like maybe three, four times a month, 11%, once a month, 5%, and then close uh, to one in eight or 12%, read their Bible rarely, if not at all. And so, why is that? If this is so important, and we're going to dive into this a little bit more, but if this is so important to our faith and to becoming more like Christ, to become more godlike, godly, why don't we do it? What's wrong? And so as we look at the verse, we see a couple different things here. First, we see that... Uh, uh, this is important, makes us wise for salvation. Well, what does, this, what does this actually mean? What does this look like? Wise for salvation. If you look at Matthew, and I didn't put it up on the screen, but if you look at Matthew 5, 17 to 20, or John 5, 39, both talk, they're Jesus talking, and he talks about how the entire Old Testament is leading up to him, how it proclaims him and his mission. And we know this to be true. We understand uh, the reality of Jesus on the cross and that lamb perfect blood sacrifice in context to everything in the book of the law, the first five books, the Torah of the Old Testament. We understand who Jesus is partially because of the tradition given to us, the sacred writings that are referred to here. And so we see this and, and it shows us our faith and gives us the tools uh, to find salvation. You know, we often talk in the church that to understand the Bible uh, just on a basic level is plenty to understand salvation that God gives, gives for us. And so it's there to read and to understand with a basic reading of the Bible. So what is this idea then of being breathed out? Scripture is breathed out. This is talking about the reality of how God has made his word perfect. Now, the, the Bible is the very word of God. It is breathed out. It is intentionally made by God to be his perfect account of what he wants us to know about him. And so we understand that to be true of the Bible. And as we really, really understand that truth, it should spur us on to dive into it and be saturated in the Bible more. But then we go on and we go, okay, so what is this profitable for teaching? Well, hopefully you're experiencing that now as I teach this passage to you, right? There's a reality that as we read scripture, we're taught by it. We understand more about God. We understand more about the world around us. We understand about theology. We understand about what God is doing here and now based on what he's done 
throughout history, throughout the Bible. Reproof, it's a fancy word for rebuke. There's a reality that when we read scripture, we realize where we're wrong. We realize bad theology in our life. We realize the sins that plague us that we need to work on, that God needs to free us from. That's all there because scripture illuminates it to us. But it doesn't just stop there. From reproof comes correction. So he doesn't just point out, God doesn't just point out where we're bad or where we're wrong or where we're imperfect, even this side of Christ, of salvation. He also shows us how to get out of it, what the correct theology is, what the correct understanding of God is, what it means to uh, give that sin over to Christ. Because you know what? We can't do it on our own power. It's only through Christ that we can have freedom from the sins in our life. When we realize these things, that's all through correction. And then the last piece here, training for righteousness. You know, what does this mean? You know, righteousness, we know that when we accept Christ, we receive Jesus' righteousness on the cross. So we get his perfect righteousness when he died on the cross for our sins. So how can we be trained in it? What does it mean? What's well, two different things. One is talking about our status. God looks at us through the cross. And so on one level, we do not need um, any change. God has already done it for us. He has forgiven us, all our past, all our present, and all our future sins. Yet, now that we are believers, he spurs us on to eliminating sin in our life and becoming more like him each and every day. You know, the, the, the theological term here we use is called sanctification. Are we more like Christ today than we were five years ago? Are we growing in our faith? Are we giving more over to God? And it's a process because we will never be perfect this side of heaven because we cannot work our way into the, to the kingdom of heaven, right? It's only by the blood of Christ. But that doesn't mean we don't strive to sin less and to grow more. And when we do all this, we become complete and ready for every good work. It means that God can use us for all of those good works that he has planned for us beforehand in Ephesians 2.10. He can now use those works, use us to make a difference in this world and in the people around us. And so where are you regularly interacting with Scripture? Or sorry, how are you regularly interacting with Scripture? What does this look like in your life? The first step, of course, is reading the Bible. But it's not the only step. There are other ways to engage with Scripture. You can study it. So reading it is you, you listen to audiobook and you just listen to it briefly and then you move on. Or you can do that by actually literally reading it um, you know, in, in a Bible that you open up or have on your device. That's reading the Bible. Studying it is going a step further. It's going, okay, what can I learn? What, what's in here? How can I dive into this passage and gain more from it? You may pull out a commentary or a Bible dictionary or something or um, look something up online to help you understand the meaning of the text. Scripture also talks about another way to interact with Scripture, and that is this idea of meditation on God's Word. And we see this in the Psalms. We see Jesus do it uh, during you know, the Gospels, during his ministry. Uh, but then we, in Joshua 1.8, it kind of really describes what this is. And so this is, again, Joshua 1.8. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, 
so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. And so there's, there's this reality here that um, God is calling the people of Israel to meditate on the law. Now, they understood the law. Law there means Torah, or loosely speaking, teachings of God. They would have viewed it as the, the first five books of the Bible at this point. But as we expand out and understand that God has written all of the Bible, both the Old and New Testament, it's appropriate to look at this and say this applies to all of Scripture. And so we're called to meditate on it day and night. What does that mean? What does it look like to meditate on God's Scripture? This may be taking an idea of who God is, like his um, omnipresence, how the fact that he's everywhere at once, or he's timeless. You know, he sees me as a baby right here, right now, and someday in glory. He sees all three at the same time because he's not linear. He's not in time. And of course, if you think about that for a second, you're like, whoa, whoa, Bob, <laughs> you know, like, let's not go there. That's a little, it's hard to think about. But that's, that's meditating on a concept of God or on an attribute of God. And we can do this actually with scripture. And so we can read a verse and internalize it and just kind of mull it over for the day or for the week or however long, a couple hours, even a couple minutes. It's not, it's not about the time. It's about letting God speak to you in that and learning and growing from that interaction with scripture. And so this is something we can do. What's great about it is we can do it throughout the day. So even if you just take two minutes and you read a verse in the morning, you can take that verse and kind of think about it throughout the day as you uh, do the laundry, go to work, drive a car, whatever it may be that you have to do as we all have to do each and every day. And so it's one real way that we can just um, connect with God. It's not Eastern meditation. It has nothing to do with emptying ourselves and, 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 and all that. So don't, don't go there with it. But it's one way that we connect with God. Another way is, is through this idea of Bible memorization. You've probably heard it, you know, we do it in kids' ministry and we really encourage kids to memorize scripture. I referenced, you know, my old mentor, Scott, who, uh, who helped me learn how to memorize scripture a little bit. I'm still quite bad at it, to be quite honest. But uh, nonetheless, there's a ton of value in memorizing scripture. And so Psalm 119, 9 to 11, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commands. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so memorizing scripture does a couple things. For one, when it's inside of you, God will bring it out in a moment of weakness, in a moment of need, in a conversation where you're sharing the gospel, uh, in life, throughout life. It's how you take an idea in scripture and you internalize it and now it, it, it lives in you almost uh, subconsciously. That begins to happen when you memorize scripture. And so it literally can help you sin less. It's not a, it's not a cure-all. It doesn't mean you'll stop sinning in every way. Again, we're not perfect this side of, of heaven. But it helps you sin less because now when you're tempted, that scripture comes to mind because you memorized maybe a specific scripture in an area that you're struggling with. Or perhaps uh, it's not an area you're struggling with, but you've memorized it and it's come up. And so you're going... In this moment, I needed that scripture, and God provided that because you took the time to memorize it. Now, of course, if we're ever finding ourselves without our Bibles, uh, without our phone to be able to look at an online Bible, then there's a reality that memorizing scripture, once it's in there, you know, short of you losing your mind, you're not going to forget it. And it's there, and you can draw on it 
and learn from it. And God can speak to you through, through those scriptures. And so memorizing scripture is a great way to draw closer to God. And all of this is what it means to be saturated in the word of God. And so um, there's a car on the screen. It's actually a newer version of my car. Mine's a 2016, but I've, you know, I, I'm a fan of my car, the Honda Civic, so I threw it up there. And uh, wrong color too. But actually, I don't like the newer version, but that's not the point. The point is the example I'm gonna to try to give, which is there's a reality that when you drive a car, there is um, alignment. When, when you drive it, and when you certainly, when it's brand new, like the one on the screen is, the alignment is perfect. And you can actually go in a straight line, like if I was driving in here, I could go down this aisle and not even have my hands on the wheel and I would go straight. And as the alignment, you know, as you hit rocks and hit bumps and, and life happens as you drive your car, as we all know, your alignment starts to kind of get out of whack. Now all of a sudden, if I don't hold the wheel, I'm gonna veer off to the left or the right and can cause an accident and certainly it's a lot harder to control that car. Our walk with Christ is very similar to that. When we um, spend time in the word, spend time serving, and spend time looking at um, uh, and being with other Christians and growing and fellowshipping together, God uses that to keep our spiritual alignment where it's supposed to be. When we stop doing those things, that's when we start to get off track. And what do we do? Well, we naturally start to sin more because our nature, our sin nature that we still have is there. And so when, by doing these different things, God keeps us aligned, much like we keep our, uh, our cars aligned and we go and get a checkup and a tune-up. Now, I want to be careful here because uh, what you can classically do is then you can step into the world of legalism and say, well, I have to, um, I have to pray for an hour every single day. I have to uh, memorize four verses a day, or you know, I'm being extreme, but you get the idea. You can take this legalistically, and you've lost all the value of doing these different things. They're not legalistic rules. You shouldn't feel guilty and go, oh, I'm, not, I'm a horrible Christian, I've just failed, I'm not working my way there. You can't work your way there. That's the whole point of the cross. We are saved by grace, by the blood of Jesus on the cross not by anything else. So don't legalistically look at these things as rules to keep, but as ways to stay aligned, ways to allow God to work in your life and to hear his voice and connect with him by studying scripture, by um, interacting and fellowshipping with people around us and, and by serving. And so the three ways to become more like Christ in 2022, uh, seek out opportunities, learn from godly people, about the faith, seek out opportunities to serve God and the people around you, and be saturated with the word of God. Now, I don't know specifically for each one of you what this should look like in your life. That's between you and God. But I can give you some examples. An easy one is if you're going, well, I'm not in a small group, a community group here. That's an easy one for me. Get plugged in somewhere. Uh, if you're not serving in any way, again, that's an easy one. Choose somewhere to serve and see how God works through that. If you're not reading, if, you, you know, if you're the 12% that's reading your Bible rarely, start reading your Bible regularly. Just start there. Don't worry about the memorization, the meditation. Just start reading your Bible. But for most of you, there's an assumption that you're probably somewhere in the middle. And for you, you're going to go, okay, 
am I learning a lot from my small group? Maybe it's time to um, just switch small groups for six months just to spice it up and learn something a little different. Or join another small group, again, because you love your people in your first small group and the fellowship there is wonderful. Pick up a second one and, and learn something new for a while and see how God moves. Or maybe you're serving, but you're not serving where you're passionate. Maybe we should sit down and talk through, well, where can you serve that you're really excited to serve? And that's a change for you. Or maybe you're reading your Bible really well, but I talked about this idea of meditation, and you're like, whoa, that's totally new to me. Well, let's talk about it. Let's help you learn how to do that and how to uh, take the Bible and go deeper and really study it. And so, again, I'm not sure where each one of you are, but I encourage you uh, to take the time to do that and to really look how God is, is moving and working in your life. So in what ways are you learning from godly people? Where are you serving? And are you regularly interacting with Scripture?